as the Summit County Collaborative Against Human Trafficking, we actually just wrapped up our 2020 data report. So from our fiscal year, October 2019 to September 2020 is when we were gathering data for. And we gathered from a number of different agencies. And even during COVID, where there's limited services, the identified number of victims that we saw was over 1,500. That's just Summit County. And that's actually just what's identified, too. Human trafficking is extremely hard to identify in a lot of situations, even if you're trained as a direct service provider. So keep in mind that those are just the numbers we know about. Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoy today's featured message. Hi, it's Mike with the Portage County Safety Council. I'm here with our friend Nick Coya from the Ohio BWC. Welcome, Nick. Hey, Mike. How are you doing today? Good. We're also here with Mary-Kate Wagner from Human Trafficking Collaboration in Summit County. Welcome, Mary-Kate. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Mary-Kate, before we get started on Human Trafficking 101, tell us, what do you do and what do you do with the collaboration there in Summit County? Yeah, I'd be happy to tell you. So I am part of the Summit County Collaborative Against Human Trafficking. I lead our Education and Outreach Committee. So the collaborative as a whole is made up of a bunch of different agencies in Summit County that provide direct services to survivors of human trafficking. My day job is to coordinate the Summit County Human Trafficking Task Force, but we are made up of law enforcement, all kinds of victim service agencies, anything you can think of that might provide direct services to survivors. So our education and outreach committee that I co-lead with my partner, Megan, we spend a lot of time doing presentations, interviews, anything like this that spreads the word about what trafficking is and how community members can get involved in stopping it. Now, Mary-Kate, there's a lot of people out there, they see this thing, you know, it's, it's Hollywood and they see it in the movies, they they see it even in cities like Toledo. But is this is human trafficking a local problem here in the Summit County, Portage County area? It absolutely is. And I say that not just as a, as a person who directly works with survivors on a daily basis, but it's very clear in the numbers and the data that we see from all of our direct service providers that it's a very real problem that's happening in our backyards. And what are the stats on it? What does it look like locally? As the Summit County Collaborative Against Human Trafficking, we actually just wrapped up our 2020 data report. So from our fiscal year, October 2019 to September 2020 is when we were gathering data for. And we gathered from a number of different agencies. And even during COVID, where there's limited services, the identified number of victims that we saw was over 1,500. Wow. That's just Summit County. That's just Summit County, and that's actually just what's identified, too. Human trafficking is extremely hard to identify in a lot of situations, even if you're trained as a direct service provider. So keep in mind that those are just the numbers we know about. Wow. 1,500 in Summit County. Yeah, absolutely. Nick, what do you think about that? That's mind-blowing. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really a staggering number that I, I, you know, I'm just walking into this blindly, um, didn't hear the the pre-talk about this. And just hearing those numbers is is really shocking. I wouldn't expect that high. I can see it happening in the area. I know we're on 76 and it seems to be a main thoroughfare uh, for some trafficking. But to hear that, that's that's really eye-opening. And I'm interested to hear what you have to say about what's actually happening out there in Summit County from our partners right across the border from Portage and what we can do to start being involved in this process. And we do have a handful of members in Summit County. So this is definitely relevant to our safety council and 
I was expecting maybe 10, 20, 30, maybe 100 or 200, 1,500. So mm-hmm. what, what is going on? What does it look like locally in Summit County in, in our area? What is What does human trafficking look like? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the big question that everyone wants to know is what does it look like and how can I help stop it? So demographics wise, we kept track of whether it's sex or labor trafficking, um, the gender and the age category. And we honestly had a decent mix of both. There was a significant amount of sex trafficking that we saw. We did see some labor trafficking survivors as well, even though that number is a bit smaller because those cases are harder to identify because while prostitution is illegal, labor is legal. And so it's harder for those cases to get prosecuted and identified as trafficking cases. Across gender, we mostly saw females, a small number of male or non-binary folks as well. And age category, we saw a decent mix of adults and minors. So that's what the demographics for Summit County look like this year. When we talk about age range, just out of curiosity, you know, you said uh, children and adults. I mean, are we talking people in the 1920s as adults? Or are we talking this trafficking all the way up into 50s, 60s? Oh, we definitely see a huge age range of survivors as young as 12, all the way up to, I've talked with survivors that are in their 50s, 60s and up. So I wouldn't say that in Summit County, there's like a specific age range that we mostly see. It really is a mixed bag. Wow. And that's really different than what, you know, most people would perceive, especially with, we'll call it the Hollywood spin, right? How (laughs) um, the media spins things or just social media itself. When I hear trafficking, I'm thinking young females, in that you know, 15 to 19 year range, but we're hearing right. all the way as young as 12 up into the 60s. And that's, that really changes the perspective on things. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of myths that go around because of the image portrayed in the media and the things we see on social media as well. That's perfect segue, Nick. So here we go. <laughs> so just to make this a little more exciting, this is the first Safety Council podcast ever right here. And we're going to play a little game. Mary Kate is going to take some common human trafficking myths. Nick and I are going to be the contestants. We're going to determine if they're true or false. And she's going to tell us how clueless we are about human trafficking or how right we are. So <laughs> no Mary Kate, give us the first true or false. Okay. So true or false, human trafficking is always a violent crime. False. False. I know the answer to this one. I didn't want to give it away to Nick, though. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you did good. A plus on that one. It is false. So a lot of the time, I think when people think of human trafficking, they envision somebody restrained in a basement or right. kidnapped and thrown in the back of a vehicle, right? That's what we see in the media. It's the glamorized Hollywood version of trafficking. And while that can happen and does happen, most of the time, Human trafficking involves some kind of psychological means of manipulation or violence. So threatening victims into providing some kind of commercial sex or exploiting them for some kind of labor. That's the more common version that we see. I guess there's a documentary or movie about this that someone told me one time that there's actually human trafficking through like magazine sales. And I remember hearing that people go in monster.com and different things and they would see travel the nation, having fun and party. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you think it's this great marketing job and you go and it's actually magazine sales where you're getting a, a van and there's a convoy, two or three vans and they go city to city and live out of hotels and can become violent, but it's mm-hmm. extraordinary exploitive. And the people are exploited to the extent where if you don't do what they tell you, they'll leave you in the city and people yeah. will go off and get dropped off in cities and they have no resources. 
And that's a huge one because that's something I would never think of. Like you said, I'm thinking mm -hmm. of, you know, the kids found in the trailer back in some kind of deliverance type movie lot way back in the woods. You know right. what I'm saying? Bound yeah. up. Not and I'm not it's no life you matter, but I'm just saying that's what we're we're thinking about, but we don't think about job opportunities coming out. So that's good. What's the next myth though? What's the next true or false? So next myth is that human trafficking or next myth or fact you guys have to decide. Is human trafficking always involves moving, traveling, or transporting a person in some way? False. I'll say true. It is actually false. So Mike takes the win on this one. I'm winning two to one. I'm winning two to one. <laughs> yeah, right. So human trafficking is something that's often confused with other crimes like human smuggling, which is just an illegal border crossing of some kind. But human trafficking doesn't actually require any movement at all. So we see survivors trafficked from their own homes, from their school, from their own town. Social media is a really big one with the popularity of social media, especially right now in COVID times when everyone's online. The trafficker doesn't even have to ever meet the person that they're exploiting in order for it to be trafficking. So we're really seeing this whole new world with the internet right now and trafficking. That being said, aren't there like websites? I've heard about these websites that people go to and they facilitate human trafficking. I, and I know there's mm -hmm. a lot of conspiracy stuff out there and I'm not, I don't want to get into that, but I mean like the, there's websites and different things that you could go on like and kind of a front, like you're buying a car, but it's really a kid or something like that. I don't know anything about it, but just things I've heard. Is that true? Yeah, there's definitely some truth to that. There's multiple platforms that are popular for people to use to either pose as a false job opportunity. For example, saying, you know, come work for me, I'll provide shelter, food, your basic needs in exchange for this job. That's a really common one. But also people are using things like Craigslist, Backpage. Backpage has been taken up and down a lot. I don't actually currently know if they're still up. There's other websites like Skip the Games, adult websites people use all the time to post about. It's just like adult meetup services, but it's really human trafficking. So that's actually really, really common is using those websites. Right. And that job opportunity, you just can't get rid of it. I know these, this missionary couple came to our church year, like four or five years ago, and mm -hmm. they're from Honduras. And I think they live out in the Nashville area now. Her name was Erica Vargas, and she told us a story about how uh, she went to Mexico for like a job opportunity. She was raised in a rough home and, and she traveled across the country, literally mm -hmm. across the, you know, and um, out of Central America and went up to Mexico and for a job. When she went there, they had 20 to 30 ladies that were dressed up in interviews and suits and everything, hoping to like find a better life. And they crawled mm -hmm. them in a room and, and, and took them off and they, they were drugged and went through mm -hmm. addiction process and abused and raped. There wasn't a dry eye in the place. It was just a horrifying thing and just taking advantage of someone's hope and dreams. So that's that's a huge setup. So I think as much information we get out about that to help warn people uh, mm -hmm. is a good idea. So what's the next myth? Is there another one? Yeah, I do have another one for you guys. So here is whether the myth or the fact. So if someone consents to initial an initial situation but is later exploited, it is not considered human trafficking. I'd I'm say, say that's false. Definitely false. Yes, you guys are correct. Good job. We got A students here today. <laughs> I'm still up by one though. Yeah, throw right. that out there, yeah. Nick. No, we're not competing, Mike, Mike but but if we were, I'd be winning. <laughs> right. We'll, we'll get you a little yeah. trophy for you. Okay. <laughs> With that one, when when we talk about consent, we want to remember that consent is always something that can be retracted at any time, and 
consent must be obtained for each part of whatever activity it is, right? Not just talking about sexual things, like talking about job opportunities. So if you consent to an initial job offer and it turns out to be something that it's not, that person is still a victim of trafficking in that situation. They can still definitely be exploited without their consent. So is there another myth? Yes, we can do one more myth. Maybe we can end in a tie here. That's right. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so myth or fact, traffickers most often target victims that they don't know. Say that's fact. I know for sure it is false because it's the same with kidnapping and molestation probably. So I'm assuming it's just, it's it's got to be false. It's probably more likely for people you know. And I saw the last Rambo, and it was a family that got her held captive. <laughs> if you know what I'm yeah. talking about, I can't even remember um, the name of it, but the new Rambo this happened. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Mike actually is the winner. It is ah, by two. <laughs> by two. <laughs> so you're right. It is very similar to like a grooming process with like child abuse or anything like that. Traffickers are most likely to target people that they do know that they have some kind of relationship and trust built with. Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. So, uh, wow. And yeah, with, I see. I would have assumed that that it's people that you don't know that you don't have a close relationship with. So, mm-hmm. once again, another eye-opening fact. And I do yeah. want to put the disclaimer out there: we're having fun with the game just to make it more entertaining when we're hearing it. But this is really serious information. And I just mm-hmm. want everyone out there listening or watching. We're not making light of this. I went through some things myself in my childhood that I won't get into because I don't want to make this about me. But this is part of my passion of why I'm passionate about this. So we're having fun just to kind of be loose and learn about this in a fun environment. But this is not us mocking in any way the victims mm-hmm. of this because it's a serious thing. This is why I'm passionate about getting this before our safety council members and the audience out there. So yeah. Mary Kate, thank you so much. Now I want to just look deeper into this because mm-hmm. – not to make fun of Nick or anything, but I'm sure the average person would have missed maybe all of those. That's why you sure. have them. You only missed two, so you did good, Nick. I mean, I, I did a little better, but you did good. But but in all seriousness, most people probably would have no idea, and that's why you mm-hmm. guys do this training. And so let's break down human trafficking a little bit further. What exactly is it? Whenever someone asks me what trafficking is, I always just like to use this really basic definition. I did steal it from an organization called Freedom Network USA, so shout out to them. But human trafficking is, in its most basic terms, forcing someone to do some type of labor or service. So when we talk about trafficking, it's really this umbrella term. And broken down, it's a lot more specific. So generally, there's two types of trafficking, sex trafficking and labor trafficking. They definitely are both very prevalent. I will say sex trafficking tends to get a lot more attention in the media. It's very easily glamorized by Hollywood. Labor trafficking isn't as like hot topic right now, but it is definitely just as severe, if not more, not in uh, like the type of abuse, but just in numbers. So they're very similar in the aspects of there's force, there's fraud, there's manipulation, but the venues in which they occur can definitely differ. Now, what does that look like too, practically speaking? So we're looking probably a lot of farms. You mentioned before, yeah. you know, restaurants, mm-hmm. construction. What, what are we looking at industry-wise? Because yeah. we have safety council members in all those categories. We have farms. We have construction companies, you know, restaurants. These are real yeah. important things for them to kind of focus. Hey, maybe I didn't think about this so much, but maybe it's an issue. 
Absolutely. So I always tell people that labor trafficking can occur anywhere where there's labor. So it's always something to be mindful of, especially if you're an employer or um, anything in that in that realm, you're a subcontractor, anything like that. So um, Polaris, which runs the National Human Trafficking Hotline, they identified some of the top venues for basic labor trafficking happening. The number one is domestic work. So like nannying, house cleaning, janitorial positions. That is a very easy field to exploit because there's, as far as I, I know, there's no federal regulations about what labor looks like in domestic work. When we look at that a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. do the employers actually know they're being trafficked in most cases? Or is it like a third party trafficking them and, hey, maybe I'm, I need a nanny or mm-hmm. I need uh, someone to come and clean up this or I need a farm help and I'm just looking for a labor service. Is it usually a third party doing it or is the, or is the business owner usually aware of it? really varies from case to case. I've definitely seen both. I'm thinking of one case in particular in Marion County. It was a very big case, went all the way to the federal Supreme Court. Um, It was Trillium Farms. It was an egg farm. They they had signed a contract with someone to bring in immigrants, refugees, asylees to help to for them to have help on their farm so in that situation there was a third party Um, i don't think that trillium farms itself ended up getting in trouble at all because i don't think they were aware that those people were being exploited but what ended up happening is that third party also provided accommodations food for those trafficking victims and it was like a trailer with no ac or heat they weren't getting fed properly they were being threatened their money was being taken. So that can definitely happen with the third party. But it's also very possible that the employer is directly exploiting someone. And usually what we see in those situations are people that are not familiar with the labor laws, what is fair, what's a fair wage. So a lot of foreign nationals are very vulnerable to labor trafficking because they they may not be familiar with what's normal in the U.S. versus somewhere else. You may see that in some kind of restaurants and different things like that that maybe course to work mm-hmm. long hours and different things for the room and board so that's interesting right. yeah. Nick, did you have any thick questions on that no i mean that's just that's kind of eye-opening i if i was to guess i would think it was more of a third party piece where it wasn't really the employer are we finding that the employers are being approached or engaged by a third party to make these connections or are the employers just kind of going out on their own and saying hey i'm, I'm gonna uh, do this myself what do we see with those types of cases it depends i honestly don't have an answer, a clean answer either way. Um, it is, I always say like I work in the world of gray areas, like it really, right, there's yeah. no clean answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. I, yeah, I think it's it's just, it could go either way. I'll, I think it can happen in established businesses, but it can also be happening underground or in like subcontracting situations. So it really is all across the board. I don't have an answer as to like what's more common than than another. I think it gives us a different perspective of looking at it because oftentimes, once again, I think as the lay person walking into this, I would picture it more of an underground operation where, hey, I'm going to supply you with X amount of people in exchange for whatever. But it sounds like even just Johnny who owns a business may be doing this himself. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it's a profit. Human trafficking is a profitable business. It really is. It's booming. It's a. It's like I think it's a five billion dollar a year industry globally. It can be a temptation for someone to exploit somebody else because it saves them a heck of a lot of money and they essentially get free labor. Right. Is labor, I mean, the labor part of this, is it real difficult to discover? Like, you know, how do you guys find out who's who's a victim? Is there like a hotline they call? Is it a tip from another employee? 
a competitor of the business? How do they usually find out? Yeah, so labor trafficking in general, I will say in the legal process, it can be harder to prosecute because like I said, labor is legal. And so it's easier to defend in court, whereas someone that's being sexually exploited, it's much easier to be like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. Let's prosecute this person. So I would say a lot of it comes down to education of employers and employees. Know your rights, know what's legal, know what's ethical. Make sure that you're sitting down with your team and walking through this kind of stuff, making them aware of grievance procedures, what options that they have, like make sure they they know that they are not like that they that they can identify it themselves. So I think a lot of it comes down to like the grassroots people that are actually just working in in various fields, knowing what that looks like. And then as far as like the task from the task force perspective, we in Summit County do have a task force hotline. So if there's an employer or an employee that feels like they want to make a report about a suspected case of trafficking, they can absolutely utilize that hotline and detectives will then investigate the situation to gauge whether or not trafficking is actually happening. I don't remember, you know, years ago, if it was a food service place that I worked at, but I remember working in one place and one of the managers, one of the new employees was being trafficked. Mm. Is that something you hear a lot about? I mean, I really want to get into that part of it. I will get more into sex trafficking here in a minute, but is that a common thing where they're coming off and working, but then there's something going on and, mm-hmm. you know, are there things, are there, you know, cause I've hear like certain markings like tattoos, what, what are things employers could look right. for if they're, if they're a legit employer and maybe mm-hmm. they get a new employee, but something seems, you know, not right with the people, the person associating with, or just, you know, absenteeism and just something seems a little off. Yeah, I think what we're looking for is the indicators. What, you know, if I'm a business owner or I'm a manager working for a company, what are some indicators that I could be looking for today that might give me an inclination that something isn't right? Yeah, absolutely. So I think what we're doing right now is a great first step. I always tell people to educate yourself first on sex and labor trafficking because a lot of those red flags you're going to start to recognize those things the more you understand what trafficking actually looks like in reality. So that's the number one thing. And then as far as red flags go, there's a huge spectrum of what that could look like. But I would say if you notice that maybe someone is express like showing any kinds of sign of abuse, so maybe they're particularly like submissive, afraid, or nervous, especially with authority figures, that's generally a sign that something is off, whether or not it's trafficking. I would know also some some populations that are particularly tra- vulnerable to trafficking and just keep an eye out for anything like that. So like we talked about our, our immigrant refugee or asylee friends, they're very vulnerable to trafficking. The LGBTQ plus population is very vulnerable to trafficking. You may or may not know that about an employee, but it's also something to keep an eye out for. I would say anything that seems out of the ordinary, so particularly fearful of like law enforcement or authority figures, maybe they have really expensive clothing and jewelry that doesn't really fit their story, especially like maybe if they work in like a minimum wage job, they and they're driving a very expensive vehicle, something that's kind of just off. And I, I would say if those you're starting to notice some of those red flags and you have like a strange gut feeling about it. I don't think it's inappropriate at all as an employer to sit down with that person. Don't ever directly confront them and be like, are you being trafficked? But there's some helpful questions I can share with you guys that I would highly recommend utilizing as an employer. Yeah. What are those questions? I think that's a great tool. 
the first thing I would say is oftentimes, even people that are being trafficked, they know something bad is happening to them, but they're most likely not going to say, yeah, I'm a victim of trafficking. Thank you for asking me. There's a really good chance that they may not respond well to these situations. So I always tell people, be very mindful of your nonverbals and your tone, make it a, a conversational thing, not a confrontation. If someone discloses something to you, trafficking or not, the number one best thing you can say is just, I believe you. Thank you for telling me that. I'm going to keep this safe. And then if they are an adult, asking them what they would like to do or if they want to do anything at all. So calling the police, connecting them with the victim service agency, going to the hospital, whatever that might look like for them. So as far as those questions go, some helpful ones are, do you ever feel pressured to do something you don't want to do or feel uncomfortable doing? That's a really vague one. You could get multiple answers to that. But if someone's being trafficked, they might say, well, yeah, my dad wants me to do these things and I, I don't really feel safe at home or something along those lines. Do victims realize they're being trafficked? Generally, is it obvious to them or do they? is it like this, like we see in domestic violence many cases, there's this... I feel safe around the dysfunction, even though it's bad for me kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, uh, you know, maybe they're emotionally involved and it's real difficult for them to emotionally separate, even though they're going through that. Is there mm -hmm. some kind of emotional ties we see there? I can imagine coming up to think, well, I'm not being trafficked, but they actually are. Do we yeah. see that at all? Oh, absolutely. It's actually, it's, I would say 99.9% .9 of the time people will not say, that they will not identify themselves as a victim of trafficking. And even if they do, even if they are farther along in the healing process, they have a hard time grappling with, like most people just don't know what trafficking is. They might think that they were abused or in a domestic violence situation, which may be true, but they don't right. also realize that there could be those elements of exploitation a lot of the time. So what that usually looks like then is, yeah, you're absolutely right. That connect, they could have a, a very intimate connection with their trafficker. We refer to that as a trauma bond. And so that's that's what keeps a lot of people in those situations. They have those mixed elements of fear and love for their trafficker. And it's very common for a trafficker to be a family member or a boyfriend or girlfriend. So again, it makes that situation so much more complicated emotionally and on a physiological level even. Yeah, I asked that question because I think it, it reinforces the importance of these questions because... <laughs> Like I said, my experience of going through uh, childhood trauma like that was there's so much manipulation. It's really difficult for that person to go through and kind of express what mm -hmm. others may be seeing from the outside. And so just coming off, like you said in the beginning and saying, hey, are you being trafficked? Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're legitimately and innocently going to be like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. So, oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, so these questions are great. So uh, other than the pressure question, what else can we ask to kind of sure. lead that conversation in? So if you want to get more specific with the pressure question, you could even go into, have you ever felt, felt pressure to do something physically or sexually that you didn't feel comfortable doing? So if the conversation kind of steers that way, that's a good question to help them expand on that. Also being mindful that these folks are often really traumatized. So just asking, is there anything that could help you feel safer while we have this conversation? Being mindful of that. You could ask if you're, you're suspecting some kind of labor exploitation, you could say, you know, what were your expectations of what would happen if you left this person or situation if you didn't do what they told you to do? That's a really good one. Can you leave your job or your workplace if you want to? 
there's a handful more questions. I'd be happy to pass those on for you to distribute as well. But those are ones we recommend. And I always say as well, mirroring the language of the person you're talking to is extremely important. So if someone is calling someone their boyfriend, certainly don't call them their pimp. <laughs> Not right. going to go well. <laughs> so that's I didn't even think about that. That could be that could be a code word. You don't, you don't even, I wouldn't have never thought about that. Hmm. That's yeah, interesting. So it, that's generally a, a good rule of thumb and using language like, trafficking is generally very off-putting they're gonna be like what the heck are you talking about i'm trying to go work like i don't want to have this conversation you know mm. so right yeah. right so let's let's move into sex trafficking now sure and, and this is definitely glamorous but it's definitely an issue i know pre-covid anyways every time there was a super bowl and people were allowed to attend that was one of the highest days right if i'm not wrong I, well, yeah least- yeah any big event really is a hot a, a hot time first sex trafficking because usually what will happen is traffickers will set up dates for people or people will even fly into town under the guise of going to a big event but really they're 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 just there to engage in sex with people illegally so that's actually very common we we had an an operation um, as a task force earlier last year at a casino and they were having a very big event pre-covid we were just overloaded with people that day so very common what does that look like in Northeast Ohio? I know we had a Cleveland mm-hmm. incident a handful of years ago that was really traumatic and all over the news and different things. And I think that's what most of us see. What does it look like in our region, though? Yeah. So I have another bonus myth or fact Uh-oh. question. Well, not really myth or fact, <laughs> but multiple choice question. So out of these types of trafficking, I want you guys to tell me which one you think is the most common in Northeast Ohio. So we have survival sex family controlled trafficking over the internet and pimp controlled i'm guessing pimp controlled is going to be more bigger cities yeah and i think i would say and and maybe i cheated a little bit here to see the definition of survival controlled i I think that may be more often in this area yes but family is probably a big deal because northeast ohio we have a lot of rural communities so i'm guessing that has a real strong impact there so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go with the two. So I'm going to agree with Nick on the one. Survival sex would definitely be one. And then the family one. I know I'm saying the name's wrong. That's okay. No, you guys are doing great. Okay. Final answer, Nick. I'm going to go with the survival. Okay. All right. So Mike, again, takes the win on this one. It's actually family control. That's the most common. So that, that's three. Is- Nick, I'm killing you. Yes. He is killing it. We need to do this for every podcast. It's too much fun. I like winning. Yeah. Right. Got to keep a running tally. I just hope it don't hurt Nick's uh, self esteem. But um, <laughs> we're honored to have <laughs> you, Nick. And <laughs> I just so, work yeah. in social services, so I think it's almost like cheating. Yeah. So if we put Nick head to head with <laughs> you know true. a union worker, I think he would win. You know, he would he right. right up there. So. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of people are really surprised to hear that, but family controlled, not just in Northeast Ohio, but all over family controlled is the most common type of sex trafficking, actually. Um, and I can go into that a little bit more if, if you'd like to. Now, is that, I guess, explain it to me. Yeah, go into that. Because I'm trying to think, is that like a typical case that you see on the news about someone being molested or, or going through that kind of trauma? Would that be included in that or is that something different? It does differ a little bit. Um, there's a lot of crossover when it comes to sexual violence of any kind. So Within trafficking, there can be child abuse, molestation, domestic violence. But sexual violence, think of it as it's another one of those umbrella terms with a bunch of different categories underneath. 
And it's kind of like each one of those categories is then a Venn diagram of there's common elements of each mm. one. Okay, so that makes sense. What, yeah, so what family controlled trafficking usually looks like, it, it it's, it's somewhat self-explanatory in the name. It's just your family are the people that are pimping you out. So generally it's a, it's a family business. So maybe grandma started wow. and then pimped out mom who then pimped out the daughter. No and way. That, it makes it really common uh, or really difficult for people to leave that situation because you may have grown up thinking that was completely normal and may not even be aware of how much trauma has happened to you through that experience. So that, that one's really common actually. That's not what I thought you were talking about. Okay. I thought it was going to be more about like just abuse within the home kind of mm. thing. I, I never even – oh, man. Go ahead, Do you Nick. find that those individuals in that family-controlled environment, are they still have freedom themselves to be outside and they're going to work on a daily basis, but then this is kind of a, a side thing that's happening? Or is it more really a lockdown control of they're just kind of stuck in their house and there's it's a harder out for them? I would say typically, and every situation is different, but typically these people are going to school, they're going to work, they're living somewhat normal lives. Wow. Generally, this is really tied to drug use. So family members might be selling other family members to feed a substance abuse issue. So that's definitely a red flag. If there's like alcohol or substance abuse concerns within a family, that's it could be an indicator that something else could be happening there as well. So... So really, this is another piece for employers. I mean, you know, when we think about sex trafficking, again, once my mind goes to, hey, it's this underground world, but really those people could be your coworkers or your mm -hmm. employees in your workplace. And these mm -hmm. are red flags that we should be looked for. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I always say like, this is happening in your backyard. It's happening. It is. It's happening at your workplace. It's happening at your school. There's a very good chance that there's people you interact with on a daily basis that are being exploited that you have no idea about. So terrible. I remember because you mentioned drugs. So I want to hit this a little bit. I remember seeing a headline on Facebook, a story about a trafficking ring that got busted by, I think, multiple agencies. It was an interstate mm -hmm. traffic ring. I can't remember, but there was teachers involved. I mean, it was disgusting. Mm -hmm. the, yeah. The people that you think, you know, just like family members, people that you think you could trust. So the trauma is yeah. even worse because it's someone that you loved and you thought cared about you that takes you through that. Mm -hmm. But in this story, in the article, the police, and I can't even remember where it was at or anything. It's, it's been at least four or five years, I'm guessing. But I, I remember one of the gentlemen broke down to police and they had him in, the, you know, they're interrogating about what's going on. And he asked them, you seem like a nice guy. How did you get involved in all this? Mm -hmm. I want to say he was a truck driver. Could be wrong. But somehow he got involved with drug trafficking. Mm -hmm. And he was in debt to the drug dealer and his life was in line because I think he was driving trucks and hauling and then he was taking some for himself. And they mm -hmm. finally caught up to him and I think his he had to pay back or his life was on the line, if I, if I remember the article. And he said they're trafficking young children, which is obviously worse than normal. You know what I mean? Terrible. But he said there was a, a market for trafficking victims, that he would take them and deliver them to mm -hmm. the drug dealers to pay off his drug debt. Yeah. Now, I don't really know. I haven't seen much other than that one article about that. Is that true? Does that happen? Is there a market for like kids and different things out there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a market for anything you can imagine. 
So there's definitely a huge child sex trafficking is it's almost like a whole different world, but it's very, very big here as well as globally. But yeah, I would say there's a going back to drugs. There's a lot of crossover between human trafficking and drugs in a, a number of different ways. But that's not the first time I've heard of someone getting involved in sex trafficking and starting out as a drug smuggler. Wow. And if I remember correctly, he said he, he could get $4,000 for a kid. It's like oh, a yeah. toddler type. And, and some of these kids were toddlers, yeah. you know, into the three, four, five years old. And it's just, it's unbelievable. And this guy was really, he hated his life, but he felt like he had no other choice. I'm not justifying that for sure, but I'm just, yeah, yeah. It's so entrenched there. And it's really, it comes down to money a lot of the time. And I, I recognize also that a lot of the traffickers have been through trauma and maybe where they grew up thinking that this is okay or that they have to traffic people in order to survive. And that doesn't discount or it doesn't justify anything that they're doing, but it does put things into perspective. There's a lot of trauma here. There's a lot of addiction. There's a lot of greed and money going on. So, yeah. Oh, it, it's just, it's terrible. I don't know. I'm speechless. Nick, do you have anything on it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's eye opening. And once again, I think these are just pieces that our employers need to be aware of. Um, and this is an opportunity for, you know, when you say, what can I do? It could be as simple as just being aware of what's happening in your business, having yep. those open lines of communication and being engaged with your employees. Absolutely. That's, I think that's the best way to prevent trafficking is being aware and actually just having empathy and caring about what's going on in the lives of your employees beyond the day-to-day nine-to-five. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to have an intimate relationship with your employees, but even just asking about things outside of work, being mindful of any kind of suspicious activity, red flags that might be coming up. If you have someone that maybe isn't showing up for work multiple shifts in a row, taking the time to sit down and ask going on in their life, could be trafficking, could not be trafficking, but that makes a big difference. And even having positive social supports, like being having a good employer to go to if something is happening in your life, mm. that's a good preventer for trafficking because traffickers like to isolate people from anyone positive in their life. So being someone positive for your employees can make a big difference. Well, and I think that's the direct correlation right there to what we do through safety and health. Um, mm-hmm. We've always said that if you want a strong safety culture, a safe workplace, it's more than just writing policies and, and enforcing those policies. It's really building a good culture. And that culture is being involved. Some of the mm-hmm. best companies that I work with that are the safest have the, man, the, the production managers, the safety managers who know employees by a first name and are engaging with them on a daily basis. And mm-hmm. you're right. They don't have to be their best friend and go out and have drinks or dinner with them at nighttime. But they know enough that they're able to do those check-ins on a frequent basis mm-hmm. and identify things that are out of place. Absolutely. That's mm-hmm. great. I think that's a, an exact prevention model that we want to see everywhere when it comes to trafficking right you got to think pre-covid anyways we spend more time at work than the other time right more than our family we spend more time at work you know Mm -hmm. if you count sleep a normal sleep night so it's just it's we're there we have those relationships with developing them make sure they're healthy so people can feel safe enough to come to us that's very Mm -hmm. important so uh mary Kay, i just want to ask one more thing sure we talked about my pastor who went to a conference out in the Phoenix area a handful of years ago and, and was blown away through a human trafficking breakout session that he attended. And he mentioned during the training, they talked about Romeos and different things going on social media to lure young women 
mainly, but also boys out through social media into sex trafficking. So what are those signs, the safety councils employer base, but not just for employers, but if I as a parent mm-hmm. and I have, you know, my child's only 20 months right now, so I don't have to worry about it yet. He's not, doesn't have a smartphone. He's not on social media. He does buy stuff on Amazon through the fire stick accidentally quite mm-hmm. often. I'm learning, but we're not there at that age yet. But, it, but for someone out there that has kids in those age, maybe the tween years and different things, and maybe the parents are starting to let them on social media. What are some things to look for to make sure we keep our kids safe, that, yeah. that a Romeo doesn't come along to try to lure them away? Absolutely. I would first say, yeah, that's very common for some of Romeo. We call that finesse pimping is what that is. So posing as like a boyfriend or a girlfriend, some kind of romantic figure. So I would say from her parents, be aware of the people that your kids are talking to on social media, not just strangers. I'm talking people that you know, because we see traffickers that are teachers, that are coaches, that are other parents. So be mindful of that. And and I don't say any of this to scare you, but I just say, be watchful, have open conversations with your kids about the realities of these things. Don't necessarily like break their trust and go scrolling through their phone, but share some of your concerns share about human trafficking. I would say be watchful about the things your kids might be posting or the things that you might be posting that are actually revealing more information about your kids than you might be aware of. So like, for example, maybe someone's posting about how Jimmy's going to fail school if he doesn't get his grades up, anyone available for tutoring. That's an opportunity for a predator or trafficker to jump in and say, oh yeah, I can help Jimmy with math. Let him come over to my house. It might be seemingly innocent. You might have a relationship with this person, but that's a red flag to look out for. If you aren't monitoring that situation, if you're going to be working late and you're leaving Jimmy with that person, that's definitely a a red flag to look out for. So, and even just kids posting in their school uniforms or, you know, doing like a TikTok in front of their house and their house numbers in the back. Those are all things that traffickers could use to target that person, isolate them, and then get them into a life that they don't want to be in. Yeah, I have friends that refuse to let their young tweens or coming to that age. You're not getting social media until you're 18 mm-hmm. because, of that, because of that. I'm like, man, that that's smart. I, and I know it's kind of a weird thing with parenting because I said a lot of things that when I become a parent, I'm a parent, I'm a little soft. <laughs> you know, I give in a little bit. Um, right. Do you have any advice for parents like that? I don't want to get too much in your personal opinions, but is is that a smart move to kind of restrict social media maybe for a little while? To yeah, a certain so age? I think really that's a conversation that parents should have with their kids because I think it's important for the kids to understand why maybe these restrictions are being put on them but even if you know a parent is restricting social media because they're worried about these things it's also important to be aware that these things can happen outside of social media too right um Mm -hmm. so social media it's just a platform it's just a platform like anything else so just like you need to be cautious on social media you need to be cautious in real life So I think the best thing to do is educate yourself as a parent, have a conversation with your kid, set up rules that make sense for you guys. I mean, like, I love social media. I use it frequently. I think it's a great tool. It can be awesome. But just being aware of like red flags and things that are suspicious, people that might be trying to notice some kind of vulnerability in your life and exploit you for that. Yeah, those are just things to be aware of. Nick, any final thoughts or questions for Mary Kate before we get out of here? Yeah, I think I think just the the last piece is: Are we seeing higher numbers of these work trafficking and more sex trafficking cases now than years before, or is it just we're more aware because now it's more in our face with with the advent of social media and more direct media connection to to the uh, population? This is a great question. So I think human trafficking is actually one of the oldest businesses in the world. It's been around since pretty much the dawn of time. 
but I would say that human trafficking in the past like 10, 15 years has really started to be a buzzword for a lot of people. We're starting to see laws coming out specific to trafficking. There's more victim service providers that are doing things specific to trafficking. So, and social media, you're absolutely right. The media and social media are really starting to talk about this as it's like the hot topic of the day. So I would say the numbers aren't increasing. We're just becoming more aware of them. But I will say now with social media and the internet, it's definitely becoming like a more common platform for people to traffic other people. So it's it's just like, it's a different venue and it allows for people to be slightly more underground than maybe they have been before. Great, Kate. Thank you so much. This is amazing. I, I just love getting the word out about this and hopefully yeah. we'll get you back on sometime in the future and just keep promoting the awareness of this. I think it's the most important thing just to think about in their everyday life to pay attention, you know, see something, say something, do something kind of thing. So someone would like to reach out to you guys at the collaboration. How can they get yeah. a hold of you? So you can contact us with our collaborative email address. It is S-C-C-A-H-T-1 at gmail.com. And I can send that info to you too, Mike. So you can post that anywhere that you might hear this podcast. And I also encourage uh, people to use this, the human trafficking law enforcement line for Summit County if you see something suspicious. Um, that number, it's 24-7, staffed by law enforcement. It's 330-252-2614. So absolutely utilize that as well. So if you're watching this right now, unfortunately, YouTube does not allow to put links, I believe, in the show notes. So you can just Google the Summit County Collaboration. But if you're listening to this on podcasts, there'll be a link in the show notes to their website and Facebook page. So mm -hmm. we'll put that out there so you could contact them. Maybe you'd like to invite them to come do training at your place or, well, actually now it would be through Zoom probably, right? So yeah, because, uh, I forgot we're, we're still in a pandemic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can come out and get trained. So thank you so much, Nick. It was good seeing you out there again in Zoomland. Yeah. And to everybody listening, yeah. thank you very much. Pay attention to what's going on in your home, in your neighborhood, at your workplace. And let's help put an end to human trafficking. So thanks again, everyone. Everyone out there, be safe. Have a great one. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbeam, or Stitcher. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn up to a 4% Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.wordpress.com. The preceding information is for entertainment purposes only. Views expressed may not reflect the views of any affiliated or sponsoring individuals or organizations. Listeners should carefully weigh information provided and seek advice from an appropriate professional before implementing. Listener discretion is advised.